doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Gentlemen, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. My guest tonight, you don't know him. You won't recognize his name. You won't find him on any forums. He is, for the most part, a skeptic when it comes to many of these odd things that we talk about on this show. And I thought it'd be nice to do an episode where we talk to somebody who doesn't have any skin in the game. So, if you would, please welcome my friend Rob. Rob, welcome to Uncomfortable. Well, thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you're here, bud. Glad Glad you invited me. Well, I thought we'd do something different. Well... Can I say something before we start? Please. Can I blow some sunshine up your ass? (laughs) I suppose you can. I just want to say how proud I am of you because we started podcasting during the pandemic. Yep. Nowhere near this topic on a completely different platform. And even way before that, I knew that this was your passion. Mm -hmm. And now that you've really, and it just really... Watching you take off and really get into the just not not to even mention the subject, but just the whole podcast format and how you've taken this. Kicking ass, man. I appreciate that. You're kicking ass. I'm proud of you. I appreciate that. It's been a wild ride. I, I gotta say it's uh well, you know you know the inception of how we decided to start doing this. And uh uh I mean <clears throat> You know, I tried to force a, a couple of uh, weird shows into our other show, and you know, I thought they came out fine, um, but I kept I kept feeling like I was trying to s- stick a square peg into a round hole because we weren't really about that on that show. Um, 
but no, man, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the support and, uh, just having a blast with it. I really am. The, the people I get to talk to man are just, it's phenomenal. I wish you would get a little excited about your upcoming event though this year. I mean, <laughs> Well, now that so, you bring sometimes that up. I feel like I'm, I, I'm <laughs> my, I feel like I got my dad hat on again with my kids around Christmas time because you're literally like a kid on Christmas morning. I am, and I rightfully am. so, though. It's uh, the the event he's talking about is going to be coming up this September 10th in Dwajak, Michigan. It's called Bigfoot and Brews. It's going to be held at Sister Lakes Brewing Company. You can find out all the information. Tickets are on sale now at bigfootandbrews.com. There is a, there's a button for tickets. You can go there. You can get your tickets for the show. You can sign up to be a vendor if you like. Um, and also, if you're interested in ABLE and would like to help sponsor this event, there is a sponsors tab in there as well. So if you would like to, your donations would be greatly appreciated and will go to good use. So... This is weird too. This is like the first time it's like I've actually ever been like a legit interview. You know, <laughs> normally I'm the one on yeah, the you're on the other end. I'm on the other side on the sports side of things, always interviewing, you know, coaches and players and so this is kind of this is new for me. New territory, actually, huh? New t- I mean, yeah, to just be flat out interviewed. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty pumped about this. Well, let's get into it. The reason I you know, I've had this kind of brewing on the back of my head for a while. And no matter who you talk to, who I talk to, um, it's, it's been somebody who has had a, a specific experience or they've seen something or they are a hundred percent sure that they had an encounter of, of some sort or another. Um, but that's, that's only one part of the, the population of, of people that listen to these things. And I guess with so many, you know, like my show is varied. So, you know, I've, I've talked to witches, I've talked to a demonologist, somebody who feels that they were, had interacted with a, a extraterrestrial. Um, and I really haven't gone after the Bigfoot market, but for whatever reason, Bigfoot has taken up probably a good 50% of my episodes. And so I wanted to talk to somebody who was a, a confirmed skeptic at the beginning. And, you know, from the years and years that we've known each other, you've always lovingly <laughs> rolled your eyes at me when I start talking about these weird subjects. And, you know, I would have said a year and a half ago that, Rob doesn't believe in any of this shit. And I think, I think the, the tables have, have turned slightly and I want to get, I want to get a perspective from you on, on these types of subjects. What, where are you at now? Well, I mean, that's a rabbit hole depending on which, which hole you want to go down. I mean, in what subject matter, because mm-hmm. I've, I've also, I've always said that I'm also not ignorant enough to know that this whole freaking stratosphere that we live on 
and this galaxy and what this wasn't all made for just us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not ignorant. I'm not ignorant enough to know that. Um, but then, there, you know, there's just, like I said, it depends on subject matter, right. but if you want to go specifically towards the Bigfoot route. And uh, I, th- I think, I think we'll, let's, let's get that way. That's fine. And, and I've always actually been intrigued by the subject mm-hmm. because I, <laughs> in all actuality, like the first, the first time I think probably Bigfoot ever came into my life the, or what, what I knew what it was, was the $6 million man. That was one of my favorite TV shows yeah, as a kid. With Andre the Giant. And yeah, and it was years later that I never knew that it was Andre the Giant that played that. Yeah. But it, you, that scared the shit out of me. Like when we would watch, you know, that show, the episode, and, and it wasn't like the Bigfoot. He was only on like two or three. It was limited number of episodes right, where yeah. the, the Bigfoot character would be on that show. And I was young enough to where I couldn't watch it. It would scare the shit out of me. It's kind of the same as like the Incredible Hulk. It took me like a year before with the Incredible Hulk before I could finally like not close my eyes and watch when he went through his metamorphosis and turned really? into Hulk. Because I mean, I was fairly, yeah. you know, God, kindergarten, four, five, six years old yeah. at the time. And that's right around the same age group. So that was the first, I guess, my looking back, the first time I would, I, that, the subject matter I think became relevant to me. Um, but I've also been always been an avid researcher. I mean, there, there's certain subjects to me that I've always got interest in as far as when something on television, whether it's, you know, I've always been a big Titanic guy. Mm-hmm. I've always been a big JFK assassination guy. Um, and honestly, Bigfoot was another one. I mean, if I saw a thing about Bigfoot, I would watch it. More so than like UFOs or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the extent of it. Um, so, yeah. But I think what's changed is also, as you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a very avid outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. Love to spend time in the woods hunting, fishing, camping. Huge. And I've been that way my whole life since a young kid. Grew up on a lake, and I've just, you know, was was brought up and raised either with a fishing pole in my hand or a gun or a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way I was I was brought up by my dad and, and my other, you know, my grandparents and my mom, and we just, we all, that's just the way we all grew up. So I think since we've known each other, and, and I've seen that you've gotten, obviously, and I've gotten to know and know your interest— and seeing things, yeah, I mean, there were, like you said, I would roll my eyes, but not that, it wasn't that I didn't, you know, think, God damn, Eric's freaking nuts, man. <laughs> These things don't exist. It was right. just like, yeah, you know. But now, I just, I pay attention. I just pay attention a little more to things when I'm out in the outdoors. I've never had it. I've had never, there's not been one, I'm, I'm, I will be honestly and say I've never had one even chance thing that would even come close to what I would think would have been an encounter, whether whether it was something I saw or heard, mm-hmm. you know, I will honestly say that, but 
like I've told you, you know, and, and I think I've heard you say it on one of your other episodes that, you know, you've, you've got me now where hell I can't even go out turkey hunting or whatever. And all of a sudden I'm, when I should be paying attention to the, to the prey that I'm after, right. I'm paying attention to other shit now, thanks to you. <laughs> you know, and it, it's funny, we laugh about it, but in, in some seriousness, I felt, I feel the need to tell you about some of these things that even put me on my ear when I hear them because you do spend so much time out in the wilderness. And <clears throat> I, th I think even more so after, after my second episode, the opening day episode, which is right in the breadbasket of where you hunt. And, you know. Very near, very near where I started hunting. Yeah. Like, I mean, within miles of where I spent my first 10 years of, of hunting from, like, when I was the, from the age of, I think I started hunting deer when I was 12, 13 years old till, yeah, 23 as I remember, I was in the, I was already in, gone and in the Air Force when we lost our our rights to that hunting property. Because I still remember my dad calling me on the telephone, asking me if I'm sitting down, and I thought <laughs> he was going to tell me that a family member died. And he's like, "No, it's almost worse. We just lost our hunting spot because <laughs> we had a gold mine." Uh, but it was literally miles from where that encounter from that episode took yeah. place. So. After, after doing that episode, I've, I've told you, I've told several people, I had numerous emails come to me, um, one from down in Syracuse, Indiana. Which ironically is where, where I, you're from. Where I grew <laughs> up, which is crazy. Yeah. and My uh, whole family's from there. Yeah. And I think you banned me from Syracuse, didn't you? I tried. <laughs> um, and, and there's a gentleman down there working who was training somebody new and he had a Bigfoot wallpaper on his computer and the new guy made some comment and this gentleman that wrote me the email kind of got huffy about it and says, Hey, just worry about learning your, your job and don't worry about what I've got on my computer. And the guy was like, no, 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 no. He's like, I grew up in Cassopolis, Michigan and shit's real. You know, and I had, I think, three other beside that who had all confirmed having come from the Edwardsburg, Cassopolis, Jones area, and each and every one of them had stories to tell about, right. you know. And so as, as amazing as that story was that is in my episode two and three, hearing other people confirm for me that kind of activity in that same area unwarranted. I mean, they didn't ask to be on the show. They weren't like, Hey, I got a story I want to tell you. Um, it, it's, it's pretty damning to me as far as, uh, circumstantial evidence that, you know, what the gentleman in episode two was telling me, John was factual, you know, and I can't tell you how many times, when 
I'd bring up, oh, what about this property? Oh, what about that property? And you were like, oh, shit. I used to hunt that property. You know, even even up close to the, the homestead where, where John had one uh, on a couple of occasions show itself to his two daughters. You literally hunted that that riverbed area for one year i did yeah you know so when you hear that and then you go back in your head and you realize that you actually hunted that property what what is that what's that do to you i mean do you do you get any any flashes of memories that would have been something that was like see that yeah and that's where i I honestly can say I've never that particular place. It, it was literally it was it was not the the most typical your typical deer hunting layout. Um, we lost we lost a hunting property like late like right before the season started that year, and so this was just a place that was a friend of my dad's that lived down there, and they just let my dad and I go out there and hunt. So. It, it wasn't a spot where you can go out there all the time. It just wasn't your traditional deer hunting layout property that a traditional deer hunter would have, you know, where you got woods or maybe a swamp and cornfields and bean fields and, you know, what have you. So I guess I didn't really spend much. Like I said, I, I, I probably only went out there a handful of times that year. It was, it was just kind of a bum year. It's like, well, this, you know, but I think the one that the other sightings, that was when I talked to you about the the place that I grew up where I started hunting, Mm -hmm. there's been sightings of literally on the property, literally right adjacent to the property that we hunted. Um, that, that was pretty crazy because I'm like, Holy shit. I deer hunted that place. And it was a huge, huge property for 10 years Yeah, for 10 years. But did I ever, there was never, I can never recall anything, nothing, I, I don't have any flashbacks of anything going, that, that's odd, or anything that I heard. Sure would love to go back out there now. Um, but no, I, it's. I find it. You know, when you have people, like I said at the beginning of the show, you have people that have skin in the game, you know, and and for whatever reason it is, you know, whether you're a, a part of a ghost hunting group or, um, you know, a Bigfoot researcher, or, um, naturally, and I'm not saying that they're, they're embellishing their stories or anything, but naturally I think you're going to be predisposed to assigning that topic as being the the reason for an odd experience that you're having and you know as a as a person who's been into this stuff 90 percent of my life you know the the ufo thing to me i've said this a million times i was obsessed with ufos by the time i was five years old I mean, it was it was an unnatural affinity for for UFOs and the subject. I would I would look at magazines, or um, my godfather bought me the the hardcover version of Project Blue Book, 
which was way, way above my reading level at the time that he bought it for me. But I sat there and I read, I don't know what the hell I was reading, but I was just trying to absorb everything I could about the, the topic. And, you know, back then we didn't have streaming services. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have a computer that could land, you know, three men on the moon in our back pocket. And I, I, I struggle with why was I so, why was I so enthralled by that subject? And then, you know, 1977 rolls around, I'm 12 and Leonard Nimoy's in search of comes on and I get my first look at the actual film of the Patterson Gimlin film. Now I had seen still photographs in, in books of it, you know, grainy photos that were reproduced in a, in a book. And when I saw that video, you know, and you know me, we've been together for, we've been together. <laughs> that sounded weird. Yeah. Edit that. Uh, we've been friends together for, you know, the better part of 15 years. And I've got a great gut instinct on me. I can, I can smell a rat a mile away. And there was nothing about that that I ever looked at and thought, oh, that's, that's somebody in a suit. To me, there was something so organic about the way she walked and, and moved across there. It was, it was effortless. It wasn't like somebody that was wearing a, a massive suit and was having to look through cut out eye holes in a, in a mask to, to navigate the ground that she was walking on. And I guess, you know, from the standpoint of somebody looking at me, they would say, oh, you, you just buy into everything. You're, you're so open to all of it that, you know. Right. And I, th I think that's one thing now that you've got me into is to where I, now I'm, I'll do my own little YouTube research, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and, or, and, or things will come across with like sightings or whatever. And I watch and now it's like, okay. And there's a lot of it that I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I, what I'm looking for now is, is I'm trying to find the hard to debunk ones. Mm -hmm. Cause there's a lot of me like, yeah, well, but you know, just like, you know, you showed me, you know, you sent me some pictures of, of a kind of an uncommon track. Yeah. Ironically, like two miles away from where I deer hunt now. <laughs> and, but it's like, yeah, but it's funny. All we see is the, always sees the close-up of the one track. Mm -hmm. I want to see the like the one from far away where you can see multiple of them that it's obviously something walked through there. Right. When and you just show me one single track up close, you know, as, as real as it may look or as odd as it may appear, I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, okay, let's, anybody could have a, yeah, let's see the rest of the trackway. Yeah, let, let's let's. That, you know, that's where I'm at. It's interesting you say that because I had uh, another photograph come come my way uh, about a week ago, and I forwarded on to Robert Kreider, who I did a two part episode with um, down in uh, New Mexico, and his his initial response to it was, "I wish we had a wider view, so we could see the rest of." The rest of the tracks because the track was unusual and it it tends to point you down down a path that leads to a rabbit hole but what about the next print and the next print and the next print right and 
so anybody out there that's listening, if you happen to find yourself in a position where you, you would happen upon a track that you think might be something of a cryptid nature, take close up pictures of it, but also take back up, back away from it and take pictures of it, put something in there for scale and, and try as best you can to, to include two or three or four of the, the footsteps. And, you know, that's, that's a bit more telling when you see all, all of it together. So, but yeah, those, those ones we got from, uh, just last, was it last night I sent those to you? Um, yeah, that the first, the first two were odd. I mean, it almost looks canine. At yeah, the, it's at not the your toe. traditional Bigfoot no, footprint. No, not at all. But it's definitely something out of the realm. I mean, it's not, that's, I don't, if, if indeed that was made by something, I don't want to see, <laughs> I, I don't want to have an encounter with what made that particular track. But that's one thing that makes me leery. But, you know, I, I think too, and, and you've talked about it, but now it's, as I said, now where I'm at now is that when I'm out in the woods, I'm paying more attention to other things. And like, there'll be times now where I'll, I'll see some, just the way, like, you know, with, I I've listened to you and then now I'm learning about like with Bigfoot, as far as like structures, mm -hmm. especially with the trees. Yeah. And then I'll start seeing things and I've, you know, I've sent you multiple because then I'm like, because I'll see something. I'm like, well, that is kind of odd. And then and my first thing is like now, okay. Then I try to say, okay, the, this is probably how this formed, you know, or you're trying to imagine, okay, maybe if the, if the lightning struck the tree and it felt, but there's some things that's like, I just don't see how this could have all formed together like this. Right. And then I've, I've taken pictures of that and sent to you and yeah. you'd be like, Dude, I'm, but obviously the ultimate was this past fall and I'm out sitting in my tree stand. And now, like I said, not only am I looking for things, I'm listening. And, and I hunt a property now that's very heavily swamped. I'm going to say, and you've been out there once mm -hmm. um, and you really haven't gotten a good layout of the entire property. But I mean, I have a 165 acre farm and I'm going to say probably... <sighs> 50 to 60 acres of that is probably just good, raw, wet swampland. Really? And most generally, like, fl over flooded, you know, um, kind of like in a bowl-type setting. And I'm in my tree stand one day, one afternoon, and I'm hearing this weird, weird noise. And I, and I just immediately grabbed my phone, yep. and I turned it on, and I got, like, one, maybe two. I think I got two. One was faint, but then one... And I sent it to you, and yeah. you're like, <laughs> and I knew I got you all fired because then I think you immediately texted your son. I did, yeah. and you're like, Rob just heard this, and I was, and I'm like, because at first I'm thinking, whoa, but then we come to find out that eventually I learned that a crane, you know, I know what a crane squawk or whatever you want to call that is, but this was like the beginning stages of it. You know, it, it didn't do its full. The first thing that I heard that I sent you was like, whether Just it was a portion of it. Yeah. That I never heard before. And I don't know if it was like a wake up thing or, you know, like, you know, 
with turkeys sometimes the, the you can tell you can tell like when a tur- a turkey is roosting or they're on the ground just by the way they're yelping or whatever or gobbling you can tell it's just it's a different because they're kind of i think it's their you know like we are we're not very talkative when we wake up in the morning and i I don't know if that's what that was why it was it was like we caught the first half of a crane call yeah and it was because then eventually it just i'm like oh shit that's and and there was a pretty huge sigh of relief when you sent me the full thing and it's like okay yeah (laughs) yeah so um you know, I, I know the the one episode that we did on our on our other format when we first started this, and we talked when we were on the Bigfoot subject, and then I brought up the okay, you know, my as much as I want to believe it, and I do, you know, I'm thinking these things have been talked about for years. All these freaking trail cameras that are out now, you know, how in the hell? Could there, I mean, in my eyes, there's like, there should be hundreds now of trail cam photos of of Bigfoot. But then you guys, obviously you and, and the, the guest on that show enlightened me that, you know, apparently, um, they can detect infrared, which is what, or or in its assumption, it's an assumption. I mean, we don't know for sure, but they can do that during the day too, because obviously, you know, it's obviously been well documented that Bigfoot sightings, a lot of them, I mean, have been made during day. They're not completely not, they're not a nocturnal animal or being. Um, so yeah. And and I guess to, I'm always also, I feel like I'm a realist and half of me knows that as, like I said, there's been so many for years. I mean, God, for years there's been s- reported sightings, and and you want you, it's believable. Yeah. And 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 with I believe in and in, in every bit possible, but on the same breath, then when I when, then the realist kicks in, is like, okay, if all of these sightings have happened for all these years, but yet. We've never found like a dead body. Like nobody's ever killed one. Like a, a hunter or whatever has ever got a, ref, a, a a confirmed kill, or or have, have just even stumbled across one that could have whether a died of of natural causes or died of uh, of, of of weather. Yeah, you know of something. And that's so. That's one thing that always kind of. You know, like I, I want to believe it because it's not that it's like there's no. I, I'm definitely going to say there's no way that these things can't exist, because I, like I've said at the beginning, I mean, you know, we can't be the only freaking beings in this whole universe. But at the same time, it just seems odd, and especially in the last what 15 years with the whole. Where everybody now with the smartphones mm-hmm. and social media, I mean, I could get, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago when you nobody had all these devices that we have now to where we can record something instantaneously and not only record it instantaneously, show it to the freaking world a second later. Yeah. You know? And that, that guy, I guess that's just still where I'm skeptical is because you would think of all these years 
and I, and I'm even thinking more of not even so much from a kill standpoint, but like you would think, you know, you, you when you go out, okay, if a deer hunter goes out turkey hunting in the spring, a lot of times, what do you maybe stumble across? A, a skull of a deer, or, or a, a carcass, or a shedded shed antler, or what have you. You'll you'll find something. Or if you're out, you don't even have to be hunting. You could be out looking for mushrooms or just going on for a freaking hike. Right. People are going to stumble across things that have that have expired in in the in nature, and that's just that's the only thing that's always kind of got me is that nothing has ever been. I don't want to say found, but shown. Right now, granted, I know that there's. Then you have the whole government, <laughs> but and and I would I, and I would concur with that. Like I said, twenty thirty years ago, but now. With, with all these devices, I, I think there's certain things that where the government can, can't even stop something getting posted yeah. fast enough. You know, and I'll play, I'll play devil's advocate for a second to and I'm, what, what you just okay. said. You know, so having, having looked into this for as long as I have, you know, you'll, you'll, find, you'll hear the excuse that bodies don't last that long out in the weather in the elements they they decompose quickly uh they're ravaged by scavengers and you know bones get picked up and carried away and and stuff like that then you have the the segment of the population that thinks that they have in some way take care of their their dead and they won't leave them out and then you have a segment of the population that thinks that they're basically impervious to our weapons that we typically carry in the in the uh, in the woods, whether it be a a sidearm or a a shotgun or you know anything short of an elephant gun <laughs> that that it won't hurt them, or if it does, it's not mortal. Then you have the people that say, you know, they they have one foot in this reality and one foot in the other. And, you know, you hear this stuff for years and you go through these ebb and flows of, well, that makes sense. Oh, that sounds like horse shit. Oh, but right. that makes sense. But that makes sense. And I, that's, you know? that's right where I'm at. And, you know, when you, when you start listing the, the excuses, and I use that term loosely because I'm not saying they are necessarily excuses, but if you start listing those excuses and you say them out loud and you say them in a row, one right after another, you sound freaking nuts. And then you, you kind of circle back to the whole, so why am I, why am I, why am I believing this? <laughs> you know, and you know, you've spent, it kind of cracks me up when hunters say, I've spent my entire life out in the woods. Well, if that's three weeks out of the year for the last 30 years, that's not your whole life. Right. Um, that's a limited amount of time yearly. And I understand what they mean when they're saying that. And it's not to take anything away from that. I think that's a very valid thing. I've been out in the woods for 30 years, 
hunting seasons and I've never seen anything. I've never had anything happen. Um, but you know, just in the, in the areas that you hunt, you know, 165 acres sounds like a lot of land. 300 acres sounds like a lot of land. 500 acres sounds like a lot of land. Hell, 30 acres is a big piece of property. In your estimation, something that is cognizant of not wanting to be found, whether it's one of these creatures that we're talking about or it's a a homeless person or it's somebody who has decided to go off the grid how how likely is it that a person or or a creature like this would be able to stay undetected for as long as it wanted to i guess it all depends on the intelligent matter of it i mean if it's if it has the intellect you know then they they know how not to be you know, but I guess they, the, know, they know how not to be found. The the space, but I, I guess, is what I'm getting at the the amount yeah, of the but, enormity okay. of the enormity of the the. And when the I go area. back, when I go back to the one thing that I, that I thought of, where when I said Mother Nature, is that obviously a huge part of the world where they're very common and where there's so many reported sightings, is in the is in the Pacific Northwest. Well, what's another thing that happens a lot in the North is forest fires. Yeah. And it's like, you'd think maybe it would have claimed at least one, you know, that where they would have, they would have come upon, you know, whether it's a a still somewhat composed body or just skeletal remains of some, of some sorts. And, you know, and I think they have come across some that are like, Whoa, what the hell is that the skull of? Yeah. You know, and, that, that's what I guess that's the that's the one thing that that still keeps me in check I guess because like you know do I want to believe they're there yes and and like I said fifty one percent of me thinks yes but then there's like but god damn it where's the where's the full fledged hundred percent concrete proof yeah that we have of over so many other things but you can say the same thing as far as, you know, with extraterrestrial, terrestrial, terrestrial, ET, paranormal. You know, and, so I, told, and, I, and I totally believe in all that. I, I completely. You know, and, that, and that's the, that's the frustrating side of, of being enamored by these type of topics. Because even though I'm open to, the existence of these things. You know, the the US government has finally in the past few years have has finally begun to give us this soft disclosure of, you know, military um military videos taken by very reputable people. People are guarding this country from uh from enemies abroad. And they are are videos of things in the sky that don't fly right. They don't act like things that we're we're used to seeing. But I still don't believe them. Right. I believe 
I believe what I'm seeing is real, but is it something that we've created? And is it, you know, I mean, I don't believe, I don't believe the mouths that this information is coming out of that we're being, being given the, the straight dope on any of it. And, you know, if the more you, you stay in the subject of, you know, like Bigfoot and you, you hear these stories of, um, apparently when Mount St. Helens erupted back in 80, you know, there were several bodies that were found and there was even, there was even one that was alive that went back with national guardsmen to, to rescue others that were alive, you know, and when you heard of that one, when you say it out loud, it's ridiculous, but you know, what I have to ask myself, you know, what, what does it serve not to tell us? Right. But then on the other hand, if they did tell us, you know, and, and Robert Kreider said this on one of the episodes we did, and, and it really sticks with me because, you know, all along my, um, why, why wouldn't they come out and tell us that these things exist? Well, logging industry would be interrupted because, you know, look what they did for the, the spotted owl. And, you know, they'd have to set aside a certain amount of area and they couldn't log and, and, and the lumber industry would, would, there'd be a toll on that. And then camping industry, if you found out that there was an eight to nine foot tall wild beast, would you want to go camping? Just basic real estate. People wouldn't want to build homes, you know. But he, he, and I get that. And see, and, and on the flip side, I, I would under, I could understand the cover up. Yeah. But what he said was something that I had not heard before until he said it. And he said, what would it do to us as a population if we were to find out that there was another form of human living on land that they're not paying taxes on? And they don't have to pay for their food and they don't have to pay for their water and they don't get taxed on everything that they buy at the grocery store. I mean, they're not paying three fifty seven <laughs> a gallon of gas right now. Exactly. And that really kind of hit me. It's like that would upend a lot of people's beliefs in. It would, it in, would definitely disrupt civilization. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when, when you start, when you start thinking about it, man, you know, when they call it a rabbit hole, they really <laughs> nailed it. They really nailed it with that because it is, yeah. you know, you, you, you go into it and you, you go through these twists and these turns and you wind up coming back to where you were before you even went in it. And then right. other times you pop up in an, in another area that you had no idea it was going to lead to this. You know, it's kind of too, like, you know, all the, like the creatures of the sea. I mean, like just how many different, things live under underwater especially out in the you know when you talk about the ocean and how massive and how deep like how many how many creatures have to exist that we've that we still have never seen yeah you know and they say we know more about space than we do about our own oceans i have a hard time believing that yeah but you know, when you see when you see a video of a, a surfer or a paddleboarder 
and and these massive whales come swimming up underneath it just gentle as all can you know just checking them out not there to do them any harm just just an oddity in the water they're they're like man what is this (laughs) you know and that thing is 30 feet long 35 feet long you know and it's just been within what the last 12 or 15 years that we've actually captured giant squids on camera i mean they'd been you know in books and you know the the thing of sailors horrors you know back in 200 years ago but now they're they're real right you know and the depths that we can't even put machinery down into because you know it'll crush it somehow or another there's living organisms down there and who the hell knows what what lurks down there i mean it's just such a strange you know and and i understand the 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 need for people to want to have subjects like this you know because it makes life a little bit more exciting and it gives people a hobby and you know we keep going i keep going back to the bigfoot thing there are so many reports the big man (laughs) there are so many reports thousands of them and even if only one third of those reports are legitimate, if the other two thirds are lying through their teeth, that's still a lot of reports of these things. Yeah. And, you know, if you put them all in a room and stand up in front of them, could you tell them they're, they're all liars? I couldn't do it. You know, there's so many... There's so many significant um, commonalities to a lot of these reports that it just, I don't think you'd find that in, in just a bunch of random people making up stories. You know, going back to, I think the one thing, when you talked about your, your episode two with John, um, you know, obviously he was, he's a huge deer hunter. Mm-hmm. So that's what naturally, obviously, you know, we share a common interest, and that's where his experience came from. And I think that the thing that really hit me was when they were, I think they were going out scouting, and the substance on the tree and the smell, you know, because for anybody that's been out, you know, especially in, in in a same spot for year after year after year, you get... You get familiar with things, and and the the sense of smell is huge. I mean, just think about what a, a certain scent could take you back, could trigger a memory from 30, 40 years ago yeah. that you haven't smelled in that long. And so I think that's what really, really tripped my trigger on that episode was was when he talked about that and, and obviously what they found up in the tree, which, yeah. you know, I... In certain parts of the country, I would say, well, yeah, there's freaking there's there's some really big freaking cats. Yeah, that can, absolutely. That can, but I don't think there's around this area because if there was, I think we'd be seeing a lot more mm-hmm. trail camera photos and and stuff of of that nature of these 
you know, cougars or whatever that can, that can have, or a bear that could drag a deer up into a tree like that. But the, the, the whole thing about when they, they smelled, whether it was the urine or what the substance that they found sliding down that, oozing down that tree and the smell of it. That's what really freaked me out because that's. Yeah. I believe there was, there was foam. Yes. Which is what, you know, made them both assume it was urine weird yeah and that was uh that and and the and the deer carcass up in the tree are two things that were like really slammed home for me because yes you'll hear about trophies being hung in trees but i don't know that i've ever heard in any other episode of any other sasquatch chronicles or you know any of the any of the big podcasts i don't know that i've ever heard of anybody finding or recognizing a stream of urine on a tree and you know as he said he's five foot nine and the and the urine started on the tree at about eye level to him that's that when i heard that i was like holy cow you know and i just i just don't think i don't think you make make things up like that that's a that's a detail that yeah. would not somebody yeah if they were telling a story they wouldn't come up they wouldn't go into that detail i don't think right. you're right they wouldn't go into that depth and and to, to piggyback onto that going into another episode when you had the uh, the gal with the camping trip mm where they were out by the campfire. Yeah, Angel. The one the th- the one thing that she said that really stuck with me was she said I don't know what it was, but I know what it wasn't. Yeah. And I'm like even though that's a very simple statement, yeah. it's like yeah, I mean you you for anybody that's whether you're a camper, a a, a fisherman, whatever anything doing with the outdoors there there's certain things that you're going to pick up on that you know isn't common and that's from the one thing that from that episode she's like i know what it wasn't yeah and i've had subsequent uh, conversations with her she uh she actually lives relatively close to us here and uh it it is it's messed with her you know she is she is not somebody who will find herself uh, out at night walking. Yeah. Um, she doesn't, she doesn't spend time in the woods anymore. Um, you know, camping and stuff like that is not a, is not a thing for her. Dude, I gotta admit, man, it's just like now it's when, when I go, when I head out in the woods and when you do head out for those early, you know, pre-dawn, you know, when you got to get in that tree stand or that ground, ground blind before it's light out and you're, you're walking through a swamp and through a woods and pitch black, you know, and Man, some thoughts go through your mind, dude. I'm telling you, you know, yeah. and, I, and I'm a, I'm a real, I don't like to use flashlights. You know, I like to be, I'm, I do a, enough scouting, um, you know, in the off season to where I get fairly comfortable to where I can navigate through without using light. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little harder, like in the early season when you got all the foliage up, but I mean, once foliage is down, I, I don't even, the only time a flashlight will ever come on is if after I'm tracking something. Mm-hmm. That, that I've shot, that's the only, 
you know, in the other than that, I don't, I, I don't ever going in in the morning or coming out at night. I, I'm always, but man, you know, <laughs> and on a completely different subject, but it's like, I mean, it reminds me of, I'll never forget when I watched the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'll never forget that we, Got home one night and I just I couldn't sleep, so I'm like I was on pay per view on satellite and I don't I was like what what the hell am I doing this for? But I watched it anyway all by myself, <laughs> and it was in the middle of hunting season, and lo and behold, like four hours later, I'm walking into a woods to go get to my tree stand, and it's one of them mornings where it's you you can hear a, a squirrel fart. I mean, it was so deathly quiet and I'm like, and it was cold and crispy. So I'm like being real still because the leaves were crunching and I'm like, I'm trying to make as least amount of noise as possible navigating through the, these frost covered leaves to get to my tree stand. And yet I'm thinking you start having these thoughts of watching that movie, you know, X yeah. number of hours earlier and you're like, stop it. Would you just <laughs> knock it off? And then lo and behold, I walk under a freaking tree that had a bunch of roost, turkeys roosted up. And then, you know, anybody that's ever walked under turkeys roosted, and that when they that wings when they start flapping their wings, I mean, it, it scares the living shit out of you. And I literally hit the deck, and I somewhat wet myself. I think that's how much it scared me. <laughs> I uh, on on one of the mornings that I was hunting the property that you do that I hunted. Um, I had gotten out there early and it was, it was a, it was a bitter cold morning and I had a little thermos of coffee with me and I had just poured myself a cup and I was, I was feeling good. I was, I was out there early. Nature was going to forget about me. And when those Turkey came out of their roosts, they flew on either side of me. And it created such a noise and such a racket. I thought they were going to knock me out of my stand. I thought I was going to drop 17 feet out of my stand and be laying there. I just, I was astounded by the amount of noise. Now I will say that after they were all out and they all landed in the field in front of me, I counted 51 of them. (laughs) That was a, that was a very prolific spot for Turkey. And, but my God, the noise that it made was unreal. That's one thing too. That I think that, you know, I, I, that I'm very observant on and being a hunter is, and especially with deer is that, you know, a lot of times you, you read, you know, I, I will read deer's behavior. You know, when, when I have deer that come within sight and then the next thing you know, all of a sudden they'll get locked in on something. And they're not looking at you. They could be looking, and it's like, okay. And sometimes they they they'll tell the tale for you. I'm like, all right, you know, they'll there's there's, but then there's times where, what the hell? What the hell is bugging them? Because you're looking, you could you can see the direction they're looking at for quite a good distance. And I'm like, what the hell are they? What's bugging? What's freaking? What's got them? their attention? Yeah, what's freaking them out? And especially if they are acting weird, you know, they're kind of freaking out about it. Yeah. And it's like, and I can clearly see, I can see just as well as you can in that direction. And I'm not seeing a damn thing, you know? And it's just, so I mean that there, there's, there's, there's been a lot of instances where that it's like, where I'll, I'll really watch an animal's behavior. Um, and that's what the, the movie that I texted you 
yesterday that I watched um, on Amazon. Big legend. Yes. Big legend on Amazon. And, you know, I mean, it was obviously a fictional Right, movie, but it was one where it was like, okay, it, it got my. There's a lot of them that are just they're so stupid. Oh, that I'm they're like, so bad. They're so bad that. But this one was actually, it it, it 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 grabbed my interest where I watched the whole thing. And and this guy, you know, he was a ex army ranger, and I remember yeah. even in this movie he talked about they knew they were safe because all the the woods was alive, you know, because birds were chirping, and yeah. he knows when something was up because everything got quiet because yeah. all the. So I get this kind of goes back to where. That that is the one thing that even though I've never had an encounter, I've never heard or seen anything, but there there are times where, you know, you you, you read the other animals' behavior on and and when you know they're not reacting to you, yeah, you know, that's that's caught my that's caught my eye a lot. You know, and I will say that, you know, some of those you know, I've seen structures that are like incredibly intricate you know um james lady has sent me pictures of of structures that he's found right outside of neighborhoods in detroit that are they're so they're so coordinated and so the way they're put together they're it's almost like there's such attention paid to the twists and the turns of each limb that they that they lay them together so that the the limbs are all having they're all bowed to a certain like if they all bow off to the left and they wrap around and they create this almost uh um, an intricate weave and it looks so organic and i don't know that unless i don't know that a person could do that you know i imagine you probably could i mean there's artists that do things that are amazing but um you know and then you see other things that are are more rudimentary looking and but they really seem out of place and like some of those pictures that you've sent me from your hunting property have been it's like and i think i even said to you you know look at the look at the bottom of the sticks do they do any of them look cut you know do they all look broken off um yeah, there, I got to take you out there because there are some where it just looks like a complete, like a complete perfect 180 degree arc bend. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, how the hell did that happen? How, you know, Mother Nature, how, that's crazy. Yeah. And I have noticed that, you know, and, and then, and I've said, and I think I, and I, I said this in the, the one podcast that we did on the other format was then you you also have those moments where you just you know where I just mentioned where you can you're reading like other animals behavior and they're acting there's other times where you get that too where like you just don't feel right yeah there's like even though you're not seeing anything or you're not hearing it you you sense something you feel you sense something you're uneasy and it could not and they may not even be in the woods I mean hell you can have that you know you could be having that out in your backyard at a, at a campfire or yeah. just even, hell even in your house so I mean whether it's you just sometimes you feel you get that sense like ah somebody's here some something's here with me yeah. even though I can't see it I can't hear it but I can feel it and I and I've had those moments I know exactly what you're talking about there are there are times where you just get a a sense that something something else is around and 
And I've, I've had that with, it hasn't been for years, but I had that with, with my, when my dad passed away. I was sorry. I mean, there's gotta be times where you feel like you're not to get all sentimental or spiritual, but there's gotta be times where you're like, yeah, dad, dad, my dad's right here. He's, you know, and, and it's weird because it happened consistently, um, for about the first eight months after he passed. I had some things that happened that were just like undoubtedly him. Um, but then, then it was done. And, and it's kind of honestly, since then I've not had one thing that I've ever felt that was like him trying to reach back out. So I don't know if there's a, a point where they, and, and I had, um, I spoke with Karen Tatro a few episodes back. Uh, she's a psychic medium uh, from the East Coast. Wonderful lady. Just absolutely loved talking with her. She had so much informative stuff. Um, but she, you know, she says that there's there's a point where when they've accomplished what they needed to accomplish, they they ascend. They They move on. And when I say ascend, I don't necessarily mean that they went to heaven, but their, their spirit has, um, left the building. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's become something other than what they were and, and moves on. And, uh, you know, I had some, I had some really relevant things happen during that, that eight months or so that left no doubt in my mind. It's funny. You should say that too, because on the same topic, but even going like, how in the hell are you going down this road? But, when you mentioned that it was like within eight months, well, and, you, and you're just, a, we're, we're both huge Chicago Bear fans. Mm-hmm. Walter Payton was my idol. Of course, he passed away in 99, and, and the, the documentary, The Football Life of Walter Payton, they were talking, they interviewed his, his kid, both his son and daughter, after he died, and it was like, it, it was within the first year after he died, inside of a year that where there was like, Jared, his son, was freaking out because there'd be times where he would just look at the radio and it would say the time would be whatever, 34. And then the daughter said they actually got into a car accident one time and that they got ran off the road and they went out into this field. And then when they kind of came to and the vehicle finally stopped, she looked and the time on the clock was exactly something, 34, and they were on Route 34. Oh, no kidding. And it was just like that was their... Like sweetness was talking, you know, like yeah. he was basically telling his kids, I got you. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm here over you. I'm, I'm, I'm watching things and I, and I got you. Wow. So just, it's just kind of weird things like that. And, and I know we're getting off the whole Bigfoot thing, but well, that's okay. And one of my biggest stories on that matter is a very dear friend of mine. Um, he got his, before his mom passed, they bought her one of those uh, those salt lamp heal uh, uh-huh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about yeah. I don't want to mispronounce but the, the Himalayan salt thank you there yeah. you go the Himalayan salt lamp and she passed away and the thing stopped working it just wouldn't work then he had one of his grandkids birthday parties and it was like the first time that since his mom died that every single family member was at the house all the all of his kids and yeah. now 
their children. It was like the first time that the entire family got together since his mom had passed. And all of a sudden that light came on. And they're like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. And then later that night after everybody left, it went back off and it hasn't worked since. No kidding. And it was like she, and it was, it was probably around a year maybe. I mean, but it was just crazy. You know, just little things like that. Yeah. I, I totally get into that. You know, and I don't, I don't profess to know anything about the spiritual side of things. Um, so I'm not, you know, don't take what I'm saying as, as gospel because, you know, it, things may happen much longer than, right. you know, eight months. But for me, in, in my experience, um, with my dad anyway, it, it was literally, um, and, and I could list a number of things that happened that were, really out there um but after it was done and um my my wife at the time we were uh i don't think we were married yet we were we were moving out of a moving out of a house that we were living in and moving into an apartment and uh one of my friends who was helping us move um he was he was one of my one of the members on my paintball team and uh he came over and he was helping me take down my, my waterbed. And he, he was, he was a funny dude. He was, uh, I miss him. He, uh, he had great sense of humor and he was a tremendous artist. And, uh, we were taking apart the waterbed and he said, Hey bud, he's like, um, I'm going to, I'm going to help you get this out. And then I'm going to like head over to the apartment and, uh, I'll, I'll help bring things in from the truck, but I, I need to get out of here. And I was like, all right, man, what's Barry? Why, <laughs> what's, what's going on? And he goes, you know, and I was like, no, man, what do you mean? He's like, you got stuff going on here. And I was like, I looked at him and I said, seriously? And he's like, you know, you do. And, and we had, we had a lot of stuff going on there and he was, he was sensitive to it to the point where it made him uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and he did, he literally, he helped me get, uh, that big part of the, the waterbed taken out of the house and put into the truck. And then he drove his ass over to the apartment and he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He was there waiting for us, but he was not comfortable in that house. Yeah. And, uh, I literally had, uh, before I started dating this woman, um, I had a friend of mine who his mom was, I think she was struggling with dementia and, uh, probably in the early stages of it. And he was, he was, uh, he was one of those accidents. He was a, you know, he was like 12 or 13 years younger than his oldest, his brother. Um, and you know, his parents were, his dad had passed away and his mom was, she was pretty old when, when we were teens and, uh, probably around 21, 22, 23, somewhere in there. I can't remember exactly. Um, he had moved in with me and just because she was like kind of getting a little nutty, she was, 
really invading his privacy and all that stuff. And so he moved in here and I thought, you know, things will, things will calm down for him and he'll end up going back, live with his mom. And, uh, I was a, a bouncer in a bar at the time. And I can remember coming home at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And I pulled up to the house and every light in the house was on. And I was immediately pissed. I was like, what in the hell? So I walked in, I came in through the kitchen and I, I came to where you go through the doorway to come into the living room and he was sitting on the couch and the TV was on. Like I said, every light that I could see hallway light was on all the lights in the living room. The kitchen lights were on and, uh, I walked in and I said, Ward, what, what the fuck, what are you doing? You know, because he wasn't paying me anything to live here and you're burning a lot of electricity. And, uh, I looked at him and on the couch, he had my 44 Magnum sitting on the armrest of the couch. And I said, why do you have my gun out? And he's like, he just looked at me and he's like, a couple hours ago, I heard you come in through the, through the kitchen and I heard you walk through the kitchen and I'm like, Hey man, you're home early and you didn't answer me. And he said, I watched this shadow come out of the kitchen and go down that hallway. And he walked into your mom and dad's bedroom and he's like, and the door's closed, but he didn't open the door. And I said, what, what the hell are you talking about? And he said, I literally saw a shadow come through, walk down the hallway and go through the door without opening it into your mom and dad's bedroom. And, you know, I mean, I was open to that kind of stuff, but I was also aware that Ward had a, a, a tendency to, to mingle in, in some alcohol and some other things. <laughs> so I didn't put a whole lot of thought right. behind it. And the next day I had to go to Grand Rapids for a, a techniques and alcohol management course to get certified for working in the bar. I didn't get home until like six thirty, seven thirty at night. And when I got home, his shit was gone. He packed his shit and he left. This was in the middle of winter. So I immediately went back over to his mom's house. She lived right in my neighborhood. And I asked her if Ward was there. And she said, he said he was living with you. And I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to scare her or anything. So I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I just thought maybe he stopped over here because he wasn't at the house. And she goes, no, no. And I, you know, I got out of that. Come to find out he had moved 35, 37 miles from here and moved into his folks summer cottage, which had no, no insulation. It was only open during the summer. And he would rather live in that than live with the shadow with, with what he saw here. Wow. So, you know, I've, I've had 
nothing like that, but it seemed like the only thing that I, any spiritual thing, it's, and it's, sometimes it's weird and, and it'll freak me out. I'll, I'll have, you know, when you have those dreams and then you have like where deceased family members, yeah. you know, and there's, there's times where you have dreams where like it might be a flashback or things aren't really in place to where, you know, it's just not, but then there's some times where it's like, holy shit, it's like present day. And it's like, you're having a reunion. You're con- you're, you know that you're reuniting yeah. with a loved one that's died. And, and I extinctly remember having one for some reason. I don't, you know, out of my grandparents, three, three of my grandparents are, have been gone for quite some time, but my grandpa, my dad's father, and I don't know if it's just because of the relationship I had with him or the, the, not that I didn't admire, or, you know, I just, Maybe it's because on the paternal side of things, you know, where he's my namesake. But I've always had multiple dreams of him. And like when my son was born, I actually went, you know, when you're getting cigars and stuff, I I put a cigar on his grave. Oh, nice. You know, because him and my grandma both were gone at the same time or both gone. And I even put it on his side of the, they they had shared a a headstone, but I literally put the cigar right underneath his name where his name was engraved. Um, but then I, I've had a dream to where, where it was, my son was of the current age that he was. It was just like, and I was introducing my son to oh, wow. my grandpa. It was weird. I mean, it was just like, it was, you know, it was one of the ones where you wake up and you're like in a freaking cold sweat. Yeah. It's like, you really felt like you, he just came to see me in my, in my sleep. Yeah. And then I, I totally believe in that. And, and I've had other, I've had many of, but they've always been in a, in a dream setting. But there's some dreams where you're like, okay, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Or like you'll, you'll, it'll be like a flat, like where you go back in time where you're a kid or whatever, or you're in a, you're in a completely different place that you've never, doesn't even look familiar at all. But then there's other times, man, where you're either in your house or you're back at their house. I mean, it's like, it's right then and there right now it's crazy crazy weird rob hey thanks so much for being with me tonight yeah man it was uh i think it was a neat way to take a different take on this and uh hopefully i don't have your diehard believers like coming after me because i'm like i said i'm not skeptic it's just i'm a realist and i want to believe it and i i can't wait to bring you out to my property yeah and show you some of the things that I have now that you have me I'll be you know and you can you've told your audience before how many times now I text you I'm like god damn you Eric now I'm looking at this or now I'm hearing this yeah we'll get out there with some cameras and take some pictures of those structures and stuff that you've seen yeah and uh, maybe we'll see something else never know (laughs) All right, my friend thank you thank you I want to hear your story I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, 
my friends, stay uncomfortable. <laughs>